Good morning. Morning. Just gonna raise this up. We're going to raise this up. (laughs) Amen. We are in the process this morning of celebration of new life. Amen. Amen. The celebration of coming from darkness into his light, coming from death into life. And we have uh, with us Earl, who is right here. And he's going to come and talk about his own personal new life. Amen. Come on, Earl. Hey guys, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Earl. Uh, I've been a member of this church, I think, for maybe a year, a little longer. Time's flown by. Um, I haven't been here for, for a while. Uh, me and Michelle had our child, Ethan. Uh, he was born four months early. So he's been in an incubator in Children's Hospital ever since. Uh, he's had a lot of complications, uh, like any baby does, that's born four months early. Um, He's had uh, problems with his heart. Uh, He had a big hole in his heart. He had problems with his intestines. Uh, The doctors were coming in, giving us percentages. I mean, since day one that we were in there, uh, telling us basically the most scary thing, uh, you know, that there was a 95% chance that this kid could die. Um, Well, I didn't want to accept that, uh, and I won't accept it. And so far, he's been in there for two months, and... Both of these surgeries that these doctors said that he needed, he doesn't need them anymore. (laughs) So, um, you know, the the day that we went in there um, getting ready for his heart surgery, um, both you know, both of his grandparents were there. Me and Michelle were there. Um, We all got down on our knees and prayed, you know, cried, Uh, and then the doctor came in and said. Uh, I've never seen this happen before, but uh, this hole in his heart closed by itself, I said. <laughs> so, so not only has Ethan been doing great, the breathing tube is out of his throat now. I mean, he's still got wires and tubes connected to him, but he's got the breathing tube out. He's taking milk now. He's opening his eyes. He's smiling. <laughs> But not only that, there's six other babies in the same room as him in incubators, and every single one of those babies has been having problems, but we've been praying for all these babies, and lo and behold, they're all doing good, and they're all off their breathing tubes too. So um, so it's, you know, having faith uh, in God, definitely, you know, praying works, and he's listening to us. Every second of every day, okay, even, even when we're not talking out loud, he knows what we're thinking, he knows what we're doing, and I put my full trust in him, and he's got that child in the palm of his right hand. So I just wanted to give you guys the good news, uh, praise God, um, happy Easter, I love you guys. Amen. Thank you, bud. What great news, amen? Amen. Great, great news. Let me tell you, there's a 100% chance that you will be raised on the last day if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The hole of sin has been closed, amen? And your heart is beating 
resurrection power and resurrection life. So today, we want you to walk out this morning understanding who Jesus is. Many, of the, many people know about Jesus. Many people understand the doctrines and the teachings of Jesus. Mm, that really doesn't do it for me. A lot of atheists know the word of God more than I do. But they don't have a personal relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that suffered and died and bled, was beaten, was spit upon, was humiliated, who died on the cross naked to take our shame and guilt so that we can stand now clothed in his righteousness. Right? That's the kind of God we serve. And if you know all about the teachings and all about the doctrines and all about the religious stuff and all the rituals, but you don't know about the life that you can have in Jesus Christ this morning, the Bible says that you are to be pitied. I don't want to be pitied. See, I was living a pitiful life in sin before Christ came my way. How many of you are allergic to bees or wasps? Okay. I, uh, I was working under my, my, my mother told me to get out of the house and do some, heart, uh, some yard work. And uh, all those bushes back by the fence, get under there and trim them all out. So I got up into there and I figured, you know, the best way to do it is to get right underneath them and right into the, where the roots are and all the where all the stuff grows. So I got up in there, and uh, I was right in it, you know. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, all the things, the leaves and the, the branches and the vines. And then all of a sudden, a wasp came like this. Bloop. And I looked at it like, cool. And then he went around my head once. Hey. Went around my head twice. And it's no kidding. Went around my head the third time. And like a dummy, I just sat there. And then he stung me right in my left eye. Yeah, stung me right in my left eye. And I jumped out of there and uh, my eye was all swollen like this because of that bite, because of that sting. I'm not done with my relationships with wasps and bees. At a picnic one day, I pick up my Pepsi. I drink my Pepsi. And I'm feeling something weird, something foreign that shouldn't be in there. And all of a sudden, ah, stung me in the back of my neck. And I spit it out. And of course, the swelling. I had a literal pain in my neck. I was a pain in the neck and I had a pain in the neck. And it just swelled right up. Um, if you've never been bitten by a bee, how many have never been bitten by a bee or a wasp? All right, we've all been bitten by a bee and a wasp. You know what we've also been bitten by? We've been stung with the bite of sin that has caused death. And it's brought an infection into our heart and into our life. It's brought the swelling of selfish ambition. It's brought the swelling of sinful behavior. It's brought the swelling of powerlessness and helplessness. And it's brought the swelling of shame and guilt before a holy God where where we have feelings of a hostility to God. In the natural sense, we cannot come to God because we are, we are hostile towards him. We all have been stung with the bite of sin and of death. But I'm so glad today that the Lord 
has a cure. And it's the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. We've all been stung. See, I didn't need a a do-over. I didn't need a makeover. I didn't need a help regiment. I didn't need to turn over a new leaf. I didn't even need a second chance. Friends, I needed a resurrection. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. But when Jesus died on the cross, and he suffered and bled, and went through what he did Thursday night, sat with his disciples, engaged in the Last Supper, and said, this is my body, this bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. This cup is and symbolizes my blood which will be shed for you this is the new covenant there's going to be a new thing there's going to be a new life there's going to be some changes coming there's going to be some transformations coming it's coming real soon that night the god of the universe the redeemer of mankind took a towel And showed us all how to treat each other and how to love each other. And he washed his disciples' feet. He dipped the bread into the wine and gave it to Judas. Which was an act of honor. And an act of signifying the most important person in the room. And he did that to Judas Iscariot who would betray him. And cause him to die. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's our savior. That night he went to the garden of Gethsemane. He knew what he was going to experience. The Bible says that he sweated great drops of blood. Indicating emotionally, psychologically, mentally, spiritually, everything. His whole humanity was in, a, was in an uproar. With anxiety about what he would suffer. And he said to the Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And in that instance, he sealed the deal and got up and woke his disciples up for the third time and said, let's, let's go. We got to get this thing done. I'm on a rescue mission and I'm, I've sealed the deal and I'm ready to go. Peter, of course, when Judas came with the soldiers, Peter took out his sword and lumped off the ear of the, of the security guard of the high priest. And what did Jesus do? Picked it up and slapped it back on. And he was carried away. He was beaten, bruised, spit upon. The God of the universe, our Redeemer, the lover of our soul, was humiliated, mocked, scorned. His beard was pulled out of his cheeks. And he went to the cross, carrying his his very cross that he would die on. 
He died naked, humiliated, so that you and I could not suffer shame and guilt and condemnation anymore. He said, what? It is finished. Tetelestai, in the Greek, it is finished. Tetelestai, it is accomplished. It is done. The word was used when an artist would begin working on a sculptor or, or a painting, and he would begin his work, and you know how artists are. He would keep working, and he'd, he'd want to get full expression of, of, of himself into that sculpture, into that painting, emotionally, spiritually, everything just going into that sculpture. And then when it was finally done, when there was nothing more that he could do to make it what it's going to be, he would step back and he would say, Tetelestai, it is finished, it is done. And then we go to a prisoner put in his cell and outside of his cell in those days would be the would be the the list of crimes that he committed and there would be the lists of punishment that he would have to endure his sentence his punishment and when he would come to the end of all the sentencing and when he would fulfill his punishment and his jail sentence the word that would be written on that page would be tetelestai. It is finished. It is done. He paid his debt. He'd take that sheet of paper and he'd go out into the world and somebody would say, hey, there's that loser. There's that criminal. There's that dude, man, that did this and did that and did everything. And the dude would get out the little paper and say, oh yeah, right here, tetelestai. My debt has been paid. Then there's this beautiful illustration of um, this word where probably you're not too familiar with, debt. Does anybody have any debt in the room? Okay. Joe Miller, the old guy in the back, he told me that he wants to pay everybody's debt today, okay? So you go see him in the back, and Joe will take care of that, amen? Talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus, all right. Hey, listen. There's nothing like getting a bill in the mail with that big old stamp on it that says paid. Amen? You feel good about that, right? You're like, this is over, man. Yeah. No more in bondage. No more in debt. No more feeling like my tail is between my legs and I can't even do anything. Where I'm lost and I'm bound to this debt. But it is paid in full. Tetelestai. When God looks at you, and he looks at all your sins, and he looks at all your weaknesses, and he looks at all your insufficiencies, if you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, repented of your sins, and you look to the cross, you look to his burial, you look to his resurrection, you look to his glorification, you look to the sending of the Holy Spirit down, and you say, it's my only chance. When you give your heart to him, What he does with your shame and guilt is he says, Tetelestai, it is paid in 
full. Wow. Paid in full. All your sin, all your shame, all your condemnation this morning is paid in full. So why do we feel condemned? Who's going to accuse you? Who's going to charge something against you? Who's going to say anything about you? When you know in your heart the Holy Spirit has told you because of your faith in Christ and the shed blood of Christ cleansing you from every sin that your shame and your guilt and your condemnation is paid for. All the wrath and judgment of God was put on Christ so that you could be free. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might now stand in the righteousness of God. See, Christ became naked on the cross to win our salvation so that when he steps off the cross, we put our faith in him. Now he comes up to us. I'm going to use you, Stacy. Can you stand up? This is Stacy. In my hands is the robe of righteousness. She's accepted Christ as her Savior. Every time she looks upon herself, when she looks in the mirror of God's Word and of the moving of the Holy Spirit, she not, does not see her sin and her shame. She sees the robe of righteousness that Christ has placed on her. And when Christ puts a robe of righteousness on you, you got to do a little jig because it makes you happy, doesn't it? I'm not going to ask you to do a jig. You can be seated, okay? Thank you, Stacy. Thank you. Tetelestai, it is paid in full. The gospel is much more than a self-help message. Amen? Without Christ, we weren't just bad. We weren't just unchurched. We didn't need a little help. We were dead. And let me tell you, how many know, being dead is a huge problem, isn't it? Because you can't do anything for yourself. You're dead. So the gospel begins with really, really bad news. All have sinned and can't do a single thing to improve your standing with God. But for many, they spend their lives in abject misery, trying to live up to the standards and the holiness of God in your own flesh. And you always come up short, and you heap shame and guilt upon yourself. But you keep trying. You keep striving. You're going to reach the standard of God come hell or high water. But you never, never, ever, ever, ever get there. And you work your religiosity. You work your religion. You work everything you do to strive to prove yourself to God so that he would show his love for you. And all along, God is saying, drop it. I love you anyways. You can't make it without my righteousness. The gospel begins with very, very bad news. But the gospel ends with very, very great news. Amen? Amen. The gospel begins with people who are spiritually dead because of the penalty and the power of sin. But through Jesus, the spiritually dead are raised to life. The gospel isn't simply a message of how bad people become good. It's a message of which dead people become alive. I grew up in a pastor's home. I knew all about being good. I was told to be good. But every day when I laid my head down on a pillow, I knew I wasn't good, and I knew I wanted to be bad. And I knew I wanted to be better. Because that's what sin does. One day I laid my head on the pillow and I said, God, I can't be good. It's not in me. The Bible says there's, no, there's none that are good, none that are righteous, no, not one. 
And I said to God, I can't do it. I'm not good. And God said, I have a little plan for you. And I want you to understand my resurrection power. And I want you to understand what I accomplished on the cross. What I accomplished in the grave. And what I accomplished when that stone was rolled away. And Jesus got up and he got out so that we could come in. Amen? Amen? Amen. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced through, wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed or bruised for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and his scourging, we, by his scourge, scourging we are healed. He was pierced through or he was wounded. A wound is something that happens on the outside. Amen? It's a cut. It's a piercing into the skin and the blood flows. Transgressions are something that we do on the outside. The word transgressions comes from the word trespass where we go outside the bounds of God's law, outside the bounds of God's, God's uh, providential care and benevolence and we sin. The Bible says that Christ was wounded for our transgressions, for our actions, right? And a lot of people focus on actions, don't they? What we do is we, uh, we, we pick a person that uh, does less sins than us or more sins than us, right? And we say, well, that person does this, 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 and this. But I only do this, this, and this. Thusly and therefore, henceforth and forevermore, I am holier than that person. Amen? We do that in church a lot. Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees because they only were concerned about their outward actions. And they put on a show, right? They wouldn't shave and they'd go to the, at the busiest time in the marketplace to show everybody that they were fasting, that they were miserable, right? They would go to the, to the temple and they would turn their $100 bill into pennies, just so that everybody can hear how much money they're putting into the coffers, right? And Jesus said, you are a whitened sepulcher because you're not concerned about your, 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 your attitude and the power that is within you and your sinful nature and your evil that's within your heart. The next phrase here says, but Jesus Christ was bruised for our iniquities. Bruising happens on the inside, doesn't it? Wherever there's a blood vessel, you can bruise it. You can bruise your organ. You can bruise on the inside. And see, this is where, why Christ Jesus has died. It's because he wants to clean you out from the inside out. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you a new spirit. He wants to give you a new mind where you're completely set free from your old life. If you are in Christ Jesus this morning, you are a new creation. Old things are past and all things have become new. Amen? Amen. Wow. All things have become new. You might know some people in your life where when you go to them and they see how you have changed, they see how Christ has transformed you, they're like, what in blue blazes has happened to you? And you can say, listen, man, it's all because of the grace of God. It's all because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus was bruised because he wants to take away the power of sin. 
He wants to take away the penalty of sin in your heart and in your life. We are still here in the presence of sin, aren't we? But he wants to give you the power through the Holy Spirit to conquer sin on, at every turn and at every corner so that you can live your life in resurrection power and resurrection life today. Uh, Isaiah 43.25 says, I, even I, and the one who wipes out or blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. See, Jesus removes your sin as far as the east is to the west. Gone. And if you're searching for it, you won't find it. He's a good hider. And he hides those sins away. But also here we see that he doesn't remember them. And this word remember has a sense of recalling. Okay? We recall the sins of our, of our past. We recall the sins of others. And Jesus, through the word of God here, is saying that he will not recall your sin anymore like others do, to show you how bad you are, to show you that you're a loser, to show you that you never measure up, he will never, ever, 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 ever recall your sins to accuse you or charge you or to condemn you any longer because you're free in Jesus Christ today and tetelestai has been stamped on your heart and on your mind. You're free. Some were saying that there was no resurrection. Friends, if there's no, no resurrection, let me tell you what I would do right now. I would go to the nearest liquor store and buy all the liquor that I can, that I can have and eat, drink, and be merry and die because there is nothing worth living anymore without the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a story of a preacher who was preaching a funeral, kind of tripped up on his words, and he said, I've, as he was ministering, doing the funeral, I have known and have been the pastor of this corpse for 25 years. <laughs> Some people in church remain corpses because they don't allow the resurrection power and life of Christ into your heart through repentance, through confession, through the realization that your striving and your mustering is over as you yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be known as a corpse, amen? Amen. And I hope that's not spoken over you. Because of Jesus Christ, I don't have a sad story anymore. But yet there's sadness in my heart. Because of Jesus Christ, I've overcome sorrow. But you know what? There's sorrow in my heart. Because of Jesus Christ, He leads me through adversity and pain and trouble and tribulation. Yeah, it's all there. Jesus said there's going to be trouble today and there's going to be trouble tomorrow. There's enough trouble today that you don't have to think about tomorrow. But you know what I have with me now? I have the joy of the Holy Spirit. I have the risen life of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now lives in you. So let's get down to the dead things this morning, will you? Let's get down to all that stuff that's dead. And let's have a resurrection.
Amen? Amen. Critics say that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. But let me tell you something. I don't think a corpse would inspire anybody. Let me tell you. If they dragged that corpse around trying to inspire people for whatever, it just didn't work. Corpses don't inspire people. And a corpse didn't inspire Peter, who denied Christ three times, who betrayed Christ, who ran like a girly girl from from Christ. And he cussed out a little girl that said, Hey, Peter, you were with Jesus. And he cursed that little girl, ranting and raving in anger and rage and fear and anxiety. It wasn't a corpse that inspired Peter to stand up on the day of Pentecost through the power of the Holy Spirit and give a message where 3,000 people are born again by the power of God into the kingdom of God. It wasn't a corpse that inspired Peter. It was the risen Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. Now, what about, what, about, what about Thomas? Remember Thomas? Boy, we give that guy a bad, bad, bad thing, right? He's a loser and he's a doubter and he was unfaithful. It wasn't a corpse that inspired Thomas to go to India to preach, to go to Persia to preach. It wasn't a corpse that inspired Thomas to die a martyr's death by the hacking of a a pickaxe. It was because he saw the risen Christ. And he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus met with his disciples after the resurrection. Some say there was 552 people that Jesus met with in 13 locations over a period of six, seven weeks. He was around, man. Okay? He was around. He was alive. He ate ate with them. He talked with them. He ministered with them. Didn't he cook for them? And what was really cool is he snuck through walls. (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, that was the resurrection body. The resurrection body that one day we will have a glorified body and we will be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. How many have looked in the mirror this morning? You've changed over the years, people. I don't know if you've known it, okay? You're going down. You're not as cute and pretty as you once were, amen? But let me tell you something this morning. The Spirit of God comes into our decomposing body, into our decay, into our groanings, into our old age, into our young age, into our our being, and He gives us new life. Resurrection power and strength to meet the day and to do what we have to do for the kingdom of God. Why is it so important that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead? Because there would be no Spirit of God that dwells within us. If he just took care of the transgressions, the outward acts, he would have to die over and over and over again. But Jesus was sinless. Jesus was, was, was perfect. Jesus never made a mistake. Jesus loved 
Jesus gave. He was the perfect sacrifice. Hebrew tells us once and for all, the sacrifice that brought us in behind the veil into the holy of holies, risen, raised with Christ, forgiven, pardoned, paid for, redeemed, righteous, because of what Christ has done. That's why we gather on a Sunday morning. Because we celebrate Jesus Christ. We don't celebrate ourselves. Paul says, I boast in Christ and Christ alone. Of all the people that could boast, we understand that Paul could boast, right? Because of his education, because of his upbringing, because of his capacity and his, his, his thinking. But he said, all that I put behind me, I consider that as dung and feces compared to the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ. We showed that video this morning. Who is Jesus? For your life, it doesn't matter. Really doesn't matter what I think of Jesus. It matters what you you think of Jesus. The Bible says that the soul that sinneth, it shall die, and then comes the judgment. You could experience Christ right now. The paid-for judgment of condemnation, shame, and guilt through Jesus Christ by accepting him as your Lord and Savior today, or you can wait for that judgment where all the wrath and condemnation of God will come upon your soul and your life because of not being in a proper relationship with God. See, the problem is is that God is our creator, and we belittle God. We degrade God. What I love about people that blame God when something... When something bad happens, it's all their life. They don't want anything to do with God. But all of a sudden, something little happens in their life. And all of a sudden, their fist raises up to God. And they blame God for what they have done. The very, the very, the very brain that God has given them and that God has created them with, the very lungs that God has created them with, the very air that God has created so those, that brain and those lungs can breathe the very air, out of those lungs come a degrading and a belittling of who God is. And God won't stand for it. He won't share his glory with another. So you either get on the glory train or you're in big trouble. Amen? Don't make the mistake this morning about thinking that your resurrection ends with you. It doesn't. There's more at stake. There's more at stake than what happens in your life. Jesus wants to use you individually, but he wants you to join a family and a body. As Bill said this morning, is that he wants to make a community of hope and of resurrection life and of power. So that when people come in here, they can say, whoa, 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 whoa. There's life in here. There's a power that I've never noticed before. And it's the power of the risen Savior to change your life forever and ever and ever. He wants to raise up a a hope, a hopeful community, a hopeful nation, and a hopeful world. He steps into the prison cell of death and proclaims freedom and life, and he turns the mourning into joy. He turns despair into praise, and he turns ashes into beauty. That's what he does. He's in the business of it, and he knows how to do it very, very, very well. God wants to touch your life. 
resurrect you. Put the grace and glory of God of this new life in you so that when you go out into a lost and dying world, you can live your life for the glory of God and people that are dead will say, however dead people could say it, I need that life. I need that life. Amen? I need that life. Story of a man walking um, home one night and he decided to skip on through a cemetery at night. Very, very dangerous thing to do. So he's walking and uh, lo and behold, there's a freshly dug grave in the night. And he happens to fall in. And he can't get out. For minutes and hours, he's trying to get up. He's clawing his way out and he just can't make it. So he determines that, you know what? I'm going to just sit down in this dark, shadowy corner over here and just wait for daylight, wait for help. And as he's waiting there about a half an hour later, some other individual had the same sense that he would cut through the cemetery, (laughs) make his way through the cemetery, and boom, fell down into the same grave on the other side where this first individual was. And he's clawing, and he's scrappling, and he's trying to get out. And uh, from the dark, shadowy corner of the grave, a voice says, You cannot get out. And guess what? He did. Amen? You see, listen. All the, all, the, all the demons of hell, all the principalities and the authorities and all the speculators and all the argumenters and, and all the philosophy and the wisdom of this age is telling you this morning that you can't get out. You're stuck. But when Jesus says, get up and get out, you get out. So glad that Jesus raised from the dead. Where would your life be this morning? Without the resurrection power of God. Where would your life be this morning? Without the transformation of the Holy Spirit and the principles and authority of God's word to rest your soul and rest your life on today, where would you be? Let me tell you something where I would be. And it wouldn't be good. God saved me. God transformed me. God took what was ashes and he made something beautiful. But you need to be on the giving side when it comes to your determination to serve God. You need to give him your life. You need to surrender your heart this morning and say, you know what, I'm in the dark shadowy corner and I can't get out. And I've been told that I'm going to be down here forever because of my past, because of my friendships, because of my brokenness, because of my pain. Let me tell you, friends, Jesus knows about pain. And he knows about brokenness. And he's down in the shadowy corner of the grave right now with you. And he's telling you, you know what? I've done this once before and I can do it again. He wants to raise you to new life as you confess your sins. Repent of your own striving. Turn to God this morning. And the resurrection Christ, resurrected Christ will make his way to you. I love the story of Jesus when 
Mary didn't recognize him. And then he let on. I think he was just toying with her. How about the two dudes on the road to Emmaus? You know? They were like, yeah, this dude, man, he just died. Oh, it's so sad. We were expecting him to take over the kingdom and rise up against the Romans. And, uh, and uh, Jesus said, what? What dude? And then all of a sudden, their eyes were opened. And they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when Jesus showed himself who he was through the Old Testament scriptures, right? Now, this is the thing. Every time we come in here, friends, I want my heart to burn when I gaze at Jesus on my road, my Dan, Daniel Maurice Cudmore road, okay, that I'm walking. I want Jesus Christ. <laughs> My friend made this for me, Leo. It says Daniel Cudmore. <laughs> My middle name is Maurice. You can call me Danny Moe if you want. But my friend gave me this, and I want to say thank you, Leo, for that. But friends, we have some living to do, don't we? Listen, you've been bound up and tied up, frustrated, brutalized, victimized. And the angel has already rolled the stone away. He's just sitting on it. Like, when will you come out already? Right? Rose brought a great sermon a couple weeks ago, didn't, didn't she? She talked about Lazarus coming out of the grave. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Right? I want you to consider your life. I want you to consider your dark shadows. I want you to consider your grave. I want you to consider the rut that you're in right now. And then I want you to turn from that and gaze on Adonai, the master of the earth and sky, our Lord, our God. He raised people from the dead. He healed people. He fed people. He calmed nature. And he changed people's lives. And he could do it for you this morning. Right now. You can be up and out of your grave. And experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That will change your life forever. It's the gospel. This is the good news. Amen. Amen.